Yeah. Cool, man. Oh, uh, so. Uh, yeah, Brett. All right, let's. Uh, oh, I gotta pull something up on my phone real quick. Uh, yeah, this is important. This is super important, Joe. So. Uh, it's so important that we forget it every single fucking time we record. Uh, so first of all, I'm gonna say this. Um, thank you. We have. Uh, uh, Giovanni, do you want to introduce yourself uh, to the audience? Just give a little blurb about yourself for a couple seconds. Yeah, I'm Giovanni Cervini. I'm Italian, and I know Miles because I was hosted by his family uh, for my exchange student year in in LA, and that's all. All right, thank you, thank you, Giovanni. So Giovanni's on the program today. Why did I call it a program? I've never called it that before. It's, I guess that's what that's it is. That's very strange. Yeah, part um, of our programming yeah. schedule. <laughs> so, so Giovanni's on our program today uh, as the uh, resident Italian, uh, so that he can shed yep. some some light, uh, some some historical light, some cultural light on Captain Corelli's mandolin. And, uh, and we're here to shed light on the man behind him, right? Uh, as this book <laughs> reminds us. Uh, so. Uh, once again, uh, welcome to Heat Seeking Panther. Woo. That was so sloppy. I'm gonna do that one again. Okay. Uh, so uh, once again, once again, no, hold on, third one, time, third third time again. again. This is Heat Seeking Panther. That one was spot on. Chill. Um, all right, cool, Joe. So, so starting out, uh, Joe, ha, um, have you ever read the best-selling book that this movie is based on? No. No, I haven't. Um, were you familiar with I, I found out. I found out in this day that it was uh, taken from a book. I didn't know that. <laughs> have, have you ever seen the, uh, the movie? before yeah 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 like when it came, I did. when it came out yes um I would, I would say almost 10 years ago and uh, but in italian i had never seen it in uh, in the on the original language mm. just in the italian uh th this this might we be always dub the yeah we always dub the movies so it's are to see them in the original way and the originals like this one sounded completely different Is because all of the accent and yeah because <laughs> because the accents were were so accurate this time that it felt like you were watching the italian version well you know actually i don't even know how like americans see the uh or oh, the Greek accent or the uh, German accent or, well, I can imagine the Italian accent, but I would say that that was too much. Oh. I mean, I, I don't think it sound uh, to sound like uh, Captain Corelli. <laughs> I'm, I have to say I'm completely shocked. I, uh, I thought, <laughs> no, the, the, I, I, it, it's so funny because 
I um the Greek accents and the Italian accents and yeah like the German accent too it was all just kind of like it just sounds like Americans like talking with like rocks in their mouths <laughs> like yeah uh it was I I would say that probably um I would say 100% of the accents in this movie were terrible uh not accurate in any way shape or form and were highly distracting we, <laughs> like it was really hard to watch any of the characters especially i mean nick cage's was bad to like a cartoonish extent sure but the person that was you could tell he was trying to do his best and just it made every scene worse was christian bale yeah i didn't christian, know christian bale's bale accent his greek accent is horrendous well, yeah, like, it, like it's maybe the worst accent I've ever heard in a movie. Yeah, like I, like I'm aware that this is like low hanging fruit in terms of like uh, picking this movie apart, but it it needs to be said. It's like, I mean, Nick Cage is American, Christian Bale is Welsh. I learned. Um, yeah, I actually learned that. I didn't know. I thought yeah. I assumed he was just English in yeah. general, but he's specifically from Wales. John Hurt is English, and uh, Penelope Cruz is Spanish. There's like. So no one was actually the, from the country that, that the accent they were doing. <laughs> no, right? just, just the extras. Uh, Joe, how do you feel about the Italian accent? Or just in general, how do you feel about the European accents happening in this movie? Well, I, I got to be honest, and I didn't like those. Talking about the Italian accent, it sounded more like a Super Mario accent than the, <laughs> the real Italian English accent. I would say, <laughs> and that, this is my my version. This is what I think. But uh, well, you you can, I think you can hear me. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> yes. let's hear I don't you. Think it sound like Plus Cage or, uh, or Super Mario either. No, can can you do so, an impression of uh, Captain Corelli for us though? Do you want me to talk like Captain Corelli? Yeah, please. yes, if you can. Well, first of all. The sentence I hate the most is "Bella bambina." <laughs> yeah, that, that's his like first his first line, the inter- introduction to yeah. it. Yeah, and it's awful. Goes, Bella bambina <laughs> at two o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yes. But also, when uh, he when he sings, mm-hmm. it, it sounds pretty bad. Oh. But yeah, if you want me to to sound like him, I would say like, um, "Hi, Miles, uh, how are you doing today?" <laughs> I'm doing great, Giovanni. Thank you for asking. It's so nice to be here with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, yeah. is that it it sounds he does the accent. That sounds like when someone is making fun of Italians and being like, "Hey, a pepperoni yeah. pizza." Yeah, like, that's like that's the <laughs> accent he's doing. If if this was in, exactly. yeah, it, it, if this was in a different movie, it would be insulting. But because everybody's accent is as just as bad, it's sort of just like <laughs> it just blends in with like. But like they couldn't find anyone Greek or anyone Italian. Well, and it also kind of feels like he didn't, not just him. I mean, we're picking on Cage, but I think in general, anyone using an accent in this movie, it sounds like they didn't rehearse the lines 
with the accent out loud before they showed up on set. According to the book, they did, though. That's the funny... The, the, but no uh, one the, stopped them. <laughs> the director was not like, hold on, we need to call in another dialect coach. This isn't working. The book literally says they have... <laughs> a Nicholas Cage had, quote, an army of linguists <laughs> who were Well, like they should all be him. fucking fired. <laughs> they should be shot uh, <laughs> just like the uh, soldiers were assassinated. So... Uh, is that insensitive? I don't. It's fine. <laughs> I, um, were you, Joe, were you aware of like the, uh, uh, the story of the Italian occupation of Cephalonia before this movie? Yeah. Yeah. I already knew it. it I knew about it. Is, is it like common knowledge in Italy? Yeah, pretty much because of the massacre that, uh, followed, uh, the fightings with the Germans. So, so that was uh, real. That really happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is uh, pretty accurate on the historical point. Yeah, uh, the Italians went to occupied Cephalonia, which is a Greek island with close to Italy, and uh, lived there from 1941 to 1943. And uh, in 1943, Italy surrendered to. United States and its allied, and then uh, that massacre occurred, the fightings with the Germans and uh, all that. So basically what happened, the the Italians surrendered and then the Germans came in and basically tried to, uh, like, take all their weapons and, like, make them surrender to them, and then the, and then the, the, the soldiers that didn't surrender got killed, right? Is that essentially what happened? It was an isolated uh, case, the ones of uh, that occurred in Cephalonia, because Italians surrendered to uh, United States and its allied, but not to Germany. Right. And so Germany asked Italians to surrender to them, but uh, the commander of Cephalonia didn't want to surrender because he didn't know about the fate of his. Uh, of his soldiers right. with well, no weapons. and Well, like, yeah. wh I mean, why would the Italians surrender to the Germans anyway if they were their former allies? Like, you know, it, it, it makes no sense. Well, but they weren't uh, no more allies. Right. Because uh, on the 8th of September, there was those ar that armistice between Italy and the uh, United States. And... Uh, uh, those uh, scenes that we see of the fightings followed that date. And uh, some Italians, like in other places, um, surrendered to Germany, uh, but that didn't happen in, uh, in Cephalonia. Mm. And so the fightings uh, began. My understanding from... Uh, I'm, I'm going to... So I'm going to put this... Uh, this uh, his history into a, a cultural context, um, thanks to the unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, The Man Behind Captain Corelli by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson. Thankfully, this, this isn't the last time oh, good. I'm going to read from this book. Uh, for some reason, it, it continues into a chapter about wind talkers. Wind talkers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I honestly, I don't know what I'm going to do when this book is done because it has been invaluable. I, I, what I want to do, to be honest, is I want 
to get Ian Markham Smith and or Liz Hodgson on the podcast. <laughs> Dude, that would be second to Weston. That would be the biggest get. Yeah, the biggest get. Yeah. 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 Nick Cage is the white whale. Um, <laughs> Weston Cage is, um, I, I don't know. Uh, he's like a pink whale. <laughs> and these guys, I think. I he's think like, he's like an off-white cream colored whale. <laughs> a beige whale. And, um and these guys are just uh, just a normal whale. Like, it would be hard, but I'm pretty sure they're... Honestly, I don't think it would be impossible. I think if we pretended to be a publicist or someone with more authority than two dudes in an apartment... Do you think we even need to pretend? Or can we just be I like... I don't Can know. we just be like, hey, we're... They're British, I know. So we can just be like, we're two American people who have um, studied your book. And you're, you're, you are the foremost scholars on Nicolas Cage. And uh, we want to talk about what you've learned. But anyway, um, so th this book came out in the 90s and was a huge hit in Britain. Sorry, this book being Captain Corelli's Ca Captain Corelli, yeah. Okay. And, um, and uh, the, so suddenly a bunch of British people were like, going to Cephalonia and like touring it, it brought up Greek tourism a lot. The book did the book. did. Okay. Um, so the book, sorry. So the book wasn't written in response to the tourism. No, oh, okay. no, the, the book is just some English guy was like, he, he knew uh, the story about the Italian occupation in Cephalonia and, uh, was like, why don't I set a love story there and make a million jillion dollars? And he did. And, um, so, but it was, it was controversial in Cephalonia because, um, Italians were not, you know, it, it's still like a sore point. They were seen as an occupying force and, um, you know, they basically, basically using, uh, hi historical tragedy as the backdrop for like a love story to, um, sell a book, uh, rubbed people the wrong way. Um, do you, Joe, do you, was, did any of that controversy, show up in Italy? Like, w was there, like, controversial discussions around the book or the movie or anything? I would say not really, because, like, hearing from people I know that, I that have watched the movie, the most important part for them is the love story, which is, okay, an okay love story, I would say. And, I, think uh, that's, I think that's being generous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, also, in Italy, we focus mostly on the part of the uh, massacre mm -hmm. because that is what the Italian culture really uh, eats the the listener of the re or the reader of the book uh, because that is what is reported in the Italian book history and all that. Well, yeah, and and, and that would have made a huge impact on on. Italian culture to be to be um, on to be allies with uh, a, uh, another country and then have the country essentially stab you in the back immediately. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's a really controversial uh, part of history, and Italian switching sides is not. It wasn't even the first time we did it. Uh, but yeah, that well, that really became a mess because of all the thousands of people that were killed. And uh, so yeah, it is a very big it had a big impact on our history. Well, and 
Yeah. What I think, what I think is kind of funny though, is, um, like in, in this, in the movie, at least, um, it, the cultures are, are sort of just like really simplified into, so the, the Greek sort of like, I guess the culture of Cephalonia is kind of a, a mix of Greek and Italian. It's, it's in the uh, ocean between the two countries. And it's, uh, in, in the movie, it's just like, you know, they essentially say at the beginning, it's like, this is paradise. It's an untouched paradise full of simple people who just, they just love to live and laugh and love. They and, drink and they farm. Yeah. And, like, then, and then the Italians come and the Italians are like, we are also a simple people and we love to, we, I mean, Nick Cage straight up says he's like, he's like. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I wrote it down. Do you have it? I had the exact quote. He says, uh, oh, damn, where did I write it? Uh, yes. F- Italians are famous for singing, eating, and making love. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's almost the same as the fucking Mario accent. You know, it's just like, we are Italians. Yeah, yeah. We, we, lo- <laughs> we love a spaghetti and the language of love. <laughs> well, and also he has... Yeah, like- he's- sorry, sorry, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, it is a stereotypical... Stereotypical. Yeah. yeah, both for the accent and uh, both for the um, behave yeah. of the Italians. Yeah, I mean they're they're painted as like just again like simple. Just there's like sim- they're like we don't they're like we don't even though they're supporting a fascist dictator they're like we don't care we just want to we want uh, to make love on the beach yeah. and uh, drink wine come <laughs> dance with us and and then but what everyone can agree on at least in any culture in any like pop culture that takes place in the the first half of the 20th century is just that the Germans are bad. <laughs> the like, so it's so it's such like easy shorthand when that, when fucking Gunter, the, the one like German officer shows up and he's like, he's an asshole and everyone hates him. Yeah. He's like, he doesn't have sex. He doesn't really drink. And everyone's just like, no, you, you suck. It's just like, it, it's uh it's the easiest, like laziest stereotype that, uh, at least that our cultures can agree on Joe. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. <laughs> totally. Joe, can you talk a little bit uh, maybe about... Uh, wait, I'm sorry. This is going to be a complete like... Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at your, your your notes. They're very similar to mine. I know. So, Joe, uh, this might be something funny that I don't know if you know. Have you heard of the... Because it has to do with American football. So I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're very up on it, but... Um, the director of this Not movie... Not like Miles and I. <laughs> yeah, right, because I watch every NFL game ever. Uh, the, the director of this movie, his name is John Madden, uh, and there is a very famous uh, football coach and announcer uh, in America... Like he's one of the most famous, and his he's name mostly is mostly famous for his name being on a, a series yeah. of video games. Well, that's about... that, <laughs> that's what I was going to get to. So his name is also John Madden. But the reason that John Madden got more popular than the NFL was because he basically licensed a bunch of like football video games with his name on it. So it's like John Madden's NFL 2004 or whatever. Yeah, but he's the, the one who also directed this movie, right? And so... and Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's funny. Uh, John Madden, not that one. Um, yeah, I, I I don't, I don't even know where to start, like getting into my fucking 
my notes. I, well, okay. So let's, let's lay out the actual story of this movie. And then, and, and then I've got some, uh, some history of the making of the movie from the book that, uh, kind of puts it in context. So, um, Joe, do, do you want to describe the plot of wh- what happens in this movie? Okay, so uh, the movie begins with the uh, this paradise island of uh, Cefalonia. It's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's it's untouched. It's it's perfect. <laughs> well, it, it is actually beautiful, but yeah. yeah, I don't know if it is was that perfect, like um, a paradise. Yeah. And so, uh, young uh, Greek uh, guys are going to the front to fight against Italians, which are uh, at first defeated, but then the Greeks are defeated by Germans. And uh, Cefalonia uh, gets under the uh, Italian control. And so Italians go to come to Cefalonia. And here we uh, see our two um, main uh, characters, which are Nicolas Cage as uh, Captain Corelli, which is which is said, and which we say Antonio Corelli. Mm-hmm. That is the Italian way to say it. <laughs> and <laughs> Antonio Corelli. And, uh, you're, you're saying that Nicolas uh, Cage can't even pronounce his own name in this movie? <laughs> no, he said Antonio Corelli, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's fine. <laughs> and, uh, well, he meets the doctor's daughter. Right, which, the, the doctor being John Hurt and uh, the daughter being Penelope uh, Cruz. And he is staying at the doctor's house, and so he gets to know uh, Penelope Cruz, and uh, whose name I don't remember. Doesn't matter. I don't uh, either, so it's fine. Pelagia. Pelagia. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so they fall in love. They fall in love, but uh, Pelagia is already uh, promised to a uh, Greek man, Play, played by Christian Bale, uh, who I'm pretty she, sure I'm pretty sure Christian Bale is in Bronze Face in yeah. this movie. <laughs> it's, did they? Yeah, you th- did they tan? Did yes. they like spray tan? Absolutely, them? that's a hundred percent artificial skin tone color. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. Continue. So, um, yeah, so a romance of the ages yeah. begins. Sparks fly, and uh, um, it should also be said that Penelope Cruz's father, um, John Hurt, is like really invested in her getting together with Nicolas Cage for some reason. Well, be, I, I think it would yeah. just, because it's, it's like a boost of status, right? Cause he's marrying into, he's mar- she's marrying an officer. Right. Well, and also Christian Bale is like a clown. He's a he, fucking idiot. In this he, movie. he said it in the beginning of the movie. He said, uh, well, but uh, Christian Bale is just a fisherman. Uh huh. Yeah. So he doesn't know even uh, to read, to uh, write. And so an Italian officer is, way higher as a social oh, yeah. status for but i don't know if that is the it is the only reason maybe he just see that his daughter loves 
uh, Nicolas Cage. I, I don't really know. Well, yeah, well, because well, seemingly there's no chem. Well, there's no chemistry between yeah. between her and Cage, but there's zero chemistry between her and Christian, <laughs> Christian Bale. Bale. They're basically yeah. just arguing every time they're on screen together. Well, I, I mean, so the I, yeah, my uh, the, my biggest takeaway from in trying to like figure out like what didn't what went wrong with this movie because it's not uh, spoiler, it's not a very good movie. Twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, um, and. The the weirdest thing about it to me is that the, they get a lot right. Like they shot on the actual island of Cephalonia. Okay, and honestly, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The and Joe, do you agree that the cinematography and the and the locations in this movie are the best part by yeah. a lot? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the the atmosphere of this movie. I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that it's. Um, it, 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 it's all, it's almost intoxicating. It is like, they get that right. They, it, it, you know, I understand why Greek tourism boomed, um, thanks to, thanks to this because they, it like, um, not only did they shoot on the actual island. Oh, so, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, no, but John Toll, the cinematographer is a two time Oscar winner. Yeah. Okay. So that would explain why that why that is the good part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's essentially a character. Like they, they succeed at making the, the Island itself, a, a character and, um, and they built, they like rebuilt the town basically for the movie. Because, like as it looked in, in the early, in the forties. Yeah. Because in 1953, I guess there was a really bad earthquake. Um, which they show, they, they show, it in show the movie barely the at the very end of the movie. Offhand weird way. But, um, yeah, but there there was an actual there was an earthquake that destroyed it. So they came and and uh, and shot on the island and lived on the island and and it's it's gorgeous. But the the main uh, thread of this movie, the whole reason for us being there, is this love story. And everything about the love story is completely perfunctory. Like it seems that nobody cares. Like the not just the two characters who are supposed to be in love. But I mean, the, the story itself, it's like, it, like why it, every time it shows something about the war or, or something, it, it, it feels like there's actual, there's some sort of like excitement or intrigue. And then they're like, Oh, and also these two. Are- well, and I was, this is something I noticed when I was watching it, despite the fact that they're historically, and even from scene to scene, you know, regarding the, the, uh, military portion of it seemingly a lot happens right but it feels like nothing happens for two hours yeah it just drags i mean it it, it like are the most defining moments uh in uh the 20th century on cephalonia i'm assuming are like taking place as a backdrop for this love story that is just nothing and just no it just it nothing registers like, I, I almost wish they had taken the events of the movie or of the events of the book. Like, rather than trying to adapt the book, I wish they had taken the events of the book and just written a new movie around it. Well, and what's fucked up is they did because... Right. They, they, I, so, I, I actually, I, I read, a, which I'm sure you did yeah. too. And Joe, maybe you did. I don't know how much research you did into the movie. Maybe you just watched it. That's fine. <laughs> what, however you d- did it. But... The fact that you're here alone uh, at all is, is, is puts you gift. head and shoulders above <laughs> most other people that would be willing to do this. <laughs> but um, my point being that I read a lot of reviews of people uh, that had read, the, read book, the book because I thought that would be more valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, across the board, 
hated it yeah. and said that they changed so much about the movie. Like if they had just stuck with more about the book, it would have been a better movie. Well, apparently the book takes place over like six decades. It's like a, yeah. 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 It, and, and so that, that weird coda that yeah. is awkward at the end where he comes back to the Island, um, yeah. In the book, that happens like decades later. Because in the movie, right. it happens like a couple years later. Yeah, yeah, it's like five years later, and he's like, "Sorry, I haven't written." <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in the book, they're like old. They're like old when he comes back, and they fall in love again as like an elderly couple. Right. Which like, is kind of sweet, That's I guess. Sweet. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. So to just fast forward through the rest of the the plot, I mean, they. So yeah, Nick N Nicholas Captain An Antonio Corelli. Did I do it? wrong yeah pretty good <laughs> antonio corelli corelli no i fucked it up and see now you sound like Nick i know trying i'm to doing i know <laughs> I, I i have sympathy for him um so i you know he he's there and there's this kind of like will they won't they thing about him and penelope cruz but uh, and um yeah so then the war is over and finally they're allowed to love their forbidden love can finally uh come to fruition but the Germans turn on the Italians and massacre them, and uh, Nick Cage gets saved by just some yeah. some nameless guy. Like jumps in front of him, takes all the bullets, and then Christian Bale finds him under the dead guy, right. still breathing later on, and rescues him. I guess because he's trying to like impress his wife, but then she's just in love. Like, why would yeah. you save the life of the dude that your that your wife is cheating on you with? Okay, and Christian Bale. Like <laughs> okay, so I, I have a. Um, that this is so stupid and I apologize if this doesn't make any sense, uh, Joe, cause this is so based in American, um, internet culture of right now. But my, so I have a red pill version of, uh, this, the, Dave, I'm just going to stop you right there. I should just edit this whole next part out of the can, episode. You can, but I, I, um, okay. So Christian Bale is the cuck, right? And, um, you know, he, we, we see him and the first, his, the introduction to Christian Bale's character is literally him getting shot in the ass with a cannon by like a strong man. <laughs> and, um, Penelope Cruz is like, yeah, okay. I, I guess I can, uh, I, I guess you're who I will fall in love with because you're right there. And then, but Nick Cage, he's, he's the Chad and, uh, he, he comes in. You know, Christian Bale is all like he he doesn't care about music. He's just a fisherman. But Nicolas Cage, super confident, loves to sing. He just walks into the, his Penelope Cruz's dad's house and uh, starts sleeping in her bed. You know that, and that is mega alpha move, right? And uh, and then Gunter, the German guy, is the incel because he doesn't. Uh, so he's the one on Reddit typing this theory up. <laughs> I love the idea of the German being the incel. That's so stupid. And yeah, so I, I had a, I, I was, in the first, like, 15 minutes of watching this movie, I was, like, coming up with this this idea of, of the, like, red-pilled version of Captain Corelli that I thought was really funny. And then, like, 15 more minutes into the film, I was so bored that I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. So anyway, that's a long, stupid way of saying that Christian Bale's character, in some ways, is the most interesting because he's he's just kind of he's a loser, I guess, because he has to be a loser. I mean, forget the fact that he's like this like bronze fucking god, like 
um, walking around and uh, it, it, with his shirt off and catching fish with his bare hands or whatever. But um, Penelope Cruz says no, and then he becomes like a, a revolutionary on the island. He grows out like a like a Che Guevara beard and um, starts uh, what like. Uh, I don't know. He becomes like a weird, uh, like radical. Yeah, almost. he becomes a radical. Uh, and um, yeah, okay. So here's here's the weird thing about Christian Bale's character arc in this movie, and I suspect that it has something to do with the fact that they just cut a bunch of his like plot out of the movie <laughs> yeah. from the book. But he makes these changes in his life. Well, let me preface this with saying no one except him makes changes at all in, no, this, exactly. in, in this movie. He's they, the character they, with an arc. He's the only character with an arc. But weird, the weird thing about it for being the only character with an arc is that his motivations are completely inscrutable. Right. Like, yeah. I cannot figure out for the light. Like, we are... Like why? Who like, is he? We are shown and told that he's made these changes in his life, but we don't know why or when they happened. <laughs> and, yeah. And he's the only one with any arc. And it's right. not... It's adapted horribly. <laughs> yeah, so... So uh, red pill people on Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you, know, you live, um, please take Captain Corelli's mandolin and turn it as part of your toxic worldview. And uh, um, I, I don't know. This is, this is my gift to, to you. This is, this is the movie you've been waiting for. There's messages in here about masculinity that you can really internalize and, and use in a terrible way. Um, all right, but moving past that, um, they, Nicholas Cage and uh, Penelope Cruz fall in love. The uh, Germans reveal themselves to be the eternal villains and uh, kill people. And big surprise. And uh, Christian Bale helps Nicholas Cage uh, escape the island on a boat, and then. And then, and then there's an earthquake. And then there's an earthquake <laughs> for no, for some reason. And like Nicolas Cage's character sends Penelope Cruz a, a record of him playing the mandolin with no letter, just which is kind of a dick move. And then he just shows up later and is like, hey, I still love you. And I mean, he basically didn't handle that situation in any way that one would if they actually loved that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's no. just so, like, cavalier about the whole fucking thing. Everything it's about it is perfunctory. I mean, even when he comes back, he's like, I felt like I couldn't live without you, but or I, I could live without you, but I can't. And so now I'm here. And she's like, yeah, cool. That's fine. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I don't know. Joe, what did, what did you think about the romance? Did it move you? No, not really. Um, it was pretty uh, predictable because it didn't have many like uh, changing of the plot, uh, like plot changes and suspense. Well, yeah, there was. Or... Yeah, there was no suspense. There was no question about whether they would get together. No, it wasn't even uh, that involving. Uh, I I would say um, it was. Uh, just him and her uh, falling in love, but there is not. Mm, there are many like where we can see all of this uh, love or uh, the 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 growth of their uh, feelings. 
Right. I, like, why why are they in love? What attracts them to each other? Like, not all of those things are just taken for granted, but there's no... Well, Cage is a sexual dynamo. <laughs> Try not being attracted to him. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think this brings up a point that I noticed in the movie. Uh, a lot of Cage... Okay, so people... Cage gets cast as generally, like sexy characters right. sometimes, right? Right. But I realize that Cage actually can't play romantic. He plays sexy and he plays passionate, but he can't play romantic. Oh, that's true. That's true. He he can't he he can't um there's like a give and take to romance that he's that as an actor he doesn't do. Like he can turn the sex appeal on like right. that. Like Xandali, Moonstruck. Right. Like we've seen His this before. Charisma. He's got yeah, charisma. Yeah, exactly. But when it comes to actually like a, like romancing, right. he, he can't he can't act that. Right. So he he can be a figure to be admired and he can be a, a somebody who admires another person, but um there he, he doesn't know he yeah he 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 can't act actual romance he can he can act attraction but but not romance and um well, that's a perfect segue to talking about what was going on in Nicolas Cage's life during the making of this movie um another romance of the ages his and Patricia Arquette's was falling apart how long did that marriage actually... Well, I guess, do you know, like, the marriage or the relationship in general? Because it, it feels like it lasted, like, six months. Was it, it more significant than that? It, they were they were involved with each other for years, like, through the 90s, but it, it was... Uh, it, but, like, the actual marriage was... Okay, well, I, I'm just going to read sure. from um, the uh, unauthorized biography of... Uh-uh. The unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, The Man Behind Captain Corelli by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson. Thank you. Um, as events unfolded during 2000, it became apparent that if Nick and actress wife Patricia Arquette's marriage were a movie, no one would have believed the plot. But the true background is even more fascinating than the newspapers reported at the time. Get ready to be fascinated, guys. <laughs> Despite their fairy tale romance, their public show of affection when Nick won his Oscar, their cooing at premieres, and often talking about their bizarre marriage, which involved them living apart in separate homes in Los Angeles for several days a week. Ah, yes, <laughs> that element of fairy tale romance. Romance. <laughs> the whole thing was destined for failure. <laughs> what? Nevertheless, they had maintained an eccentric and seemingly friendly relationship for more than five years. That relationship became strained when Patricia started lobbying Nick to move in with him and have a normal husband and wife relationship. An acquaintance revealed Nick had grown used to having his own space and living the life of a married bachelor. Patricia was completely oblivious to what had been going through Nick's mind and was absolutely flabbergasted when process servers handed her the divorce papers while she was on set of the movie Little Nicky. I love how they just... Wow. Yeah, Little Nicky. Little Nicky. I forgot about that one. Yeah. I forgot she was in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that's such a weird... like. I don't know, man. Can you imagine being married to someone, living apart from them for most of the time... Uh, and then just getting served divorce papers yeah, one day. So, uh, okay, like, you uh, don't know what's going on. You're just, you're married, and then you're divorced. Right. <laughs> uh, apparently what happened um, was they were, like, having dinner one night, and she was, like, basically, like, it would be, you know, I, uh, what if you moved in? And he was like, oh, yeah, maybe. And then just sent her fucking divorce papers. <laughs> um, according to Nick's divorce petition, 
the two had not lived together since January 1996, just nine months after their clifftop wedding overlooking the Pacific Ocean in Carmel, California. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, so it, and then so he, he filed for divorce. She was like, what's going on? And um, during the book talks about like how on the set of The Family Man, like Weston and Patricia would would visit him all the time. Weston and, and her son Enzo, <laughs> his stepson Enzo, um, and that they seemed happy. But on the set of Gone in 60 Seconds, he would be driving around on his motorcycle with babes. He was going out with babes all the time. And so I mean, real talk, he was probably banging Angelina. Would, yeah, could have been. I mean, their chemistry, fire. Or compared to this movie? It actually Like uh, leaps yeah, and bounds. No sarcasm better. there. Yeah. <laughs> In an even more bizarre and unexpected turn of events, just five days after he filed for divorce, Nick withdrew his petition. Full of remorse, he instructed his lawyers to issue a request for dismissal of the case, and he set about winning her back. A, a confidant said, Nick felt he'd been pushed into a corner by his advisors, and he feared that unless they divorced, uh, she would take him to the cleaners. So he was worried about his money. That the, so this is happening right before he films this movie. Um, poor Weston and Enzo actually lobbied their parents to um, to take a vacation, to to fly to the Cayman Islands <laughs> and uh, do like a second honeymoon. They're like, please stay together. Which is, there's like a really sad story buried in that. Like that. I wonder if Enzo and Weston are like still friends. Yeah, I wonder that. I, too. I wonder if they got along and they like just wanted to continue to be brothers. I mean, according to Weston's uh, Instagram, which I now religiously follow, um, he mostly just—it's uh, a good one for for anyone listening and, and wants please. to dive a little deeper on the on, on the on the cage. Please uh, support Weston. Yeah, um, he it's just, just Weston Cage, right? Yeah, at, at Weston Cage. Yeah, on Instagram. he he just yeah. fell in love, or or no, he just uh, got engaged to the love of his life, and uh, he is making movies in Romania. Where where they will have him. And uh, sometimes Nick Cage shows up as a supporting character looking like really haggard and having brunch with him. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, the, the kids like lobbied for them to go on a second vacation, just being like, please don't split up. Our lives are too fractured and insane already. Like, please. And um, they went house hunting and deep sea fishing and uh, it all, everything seemed uh, nice. Again, like Nick Cage is good at, at wooing. And as you remember when he wooed, um, what's, what's her name back in, uh, so many episodes ago by like showing up on a motorcycle with a spray painted rose. Who, who was that? I don't remember. Um, but, uh, but then the, he, he went to, um, to Cephalonia where they were filming the movie and got his own, uh, like, uh, cabana and um, just partied. And when Patricia and Weston showed up, they stayed across the island. He was like, no, <laughs> stay at a different house because he was partying with Madonna, Guy Ritchie, and Robert De Niro. Lit. Dude, that's a fucking party right there. <laughs> and, and, and eating boiled octopus, which... Cool? Cool. No. I know. It, uh, long-time listeners will remember that in his early career, Nicolas Cage had a pet octopus that lived in his toilet, I think, in his, like, urinal or something named Cool. And uh, But the tables have turned. Nick, Nick Cage is out there in Greece eating his brothers. And um, so, yeah, um, he, he, they, all was not well. She, she showed up and um, 
shortly after this, um, she filed for divorce <laughs> and was like, no, actually, I will take that money. <laughs> and um, eating, eating your own pet is, is that's where she draws the line. I know. Yeah. Even she, if he's delicious. He's, she saw that Nick Cage was a changed man. And cool today. Maybe Enzo tomorrow. She can't take any chances, you know? <laughs> Poor Enzo living in his urinal, just <laughs> thinking he's next. Uh, um, and so well, before I put this book away, um, the history of the f actual film getting made um, and, and why we have the, the product that we do, which is like this amazingly expensive movie, expensive looking movie that sort of came into the cultural consciousness for like two seconds and then disappeared is it bombed it, at the box office. Yeah. Like they, they were expecting it to be like a, like a rom, you know, like a romantic drama, a rom drum, if you will. The, well, the, <laughs> and, and, and it just sunk like really hard. Yeah. So, so this was, um, the, a couple of producers like, uh, were basically, they read the book and they saw that it was a huge hit in, in uh, England and they were, um, they brought it to working title, which um, was the company that did uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Billy Elliot, and Notting Hill. Good track record. Yeah, and um, those were like, that was like, like Britain had kind of a movie, an intercontinental like movie boom in the 90s where they were suddenly like making these like middle brow uh, family movies that were making a lot of money. And Notting Hill was actually the most financially successful British movie um, of of all time when Thanks it came you, out. Thanks, Hugh Grant. <laughs> and um, so, so, basically, they were like, you know what? Like, let's take this rocket ship even higher into the stratosphere and start doing like Merchant Ivory movies. Like, it can't be that hard to to make another English pa patient. Or um, actually, so Tim Bevan, one of the producers, is quoted by saying, he says. It's talking about this movie. He says, it's like Dr. Zhivago, an amazing love story set in an epic backdrop. The book isn't cinematic, but I think emotion is what makes epics. If you have big emotions, you can construct a movie. It's a big epic romance. The war is a backdrop to the movie and politics gears things up because it's about life and death. But the argument over politics in the Civil War is as dull as ditch water as far as we're concerned. What this is about is maintaining an emotional through line for 100 minutes and making them cry a lot. Okay, first of all, 123 minutes, which is approximately 100 minutes too long. Uh, secondly, Second of all. Dr. Zhivago, is that what they were going for? That's, what, that's they, literally what they were going for. Man, they missed the mark by so much. So far. It's like all they, yeah, and, and I feel like I like this quote because he's basically, well, I like this quote because ironically, like the politics and war seems to be the only thing they were actually concerned about, and the emotional through line is garbage. But I mean, also because it's so so nakedly, he's just like, oh, you you have a beautiful setting, you have two movie stars, and you have your movie, and you make millions of dollars. It's like that joke of like, you know, the like the plan to get famous, and it's you know, it's just like, it, 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 there's like two steps, and then like three or four blank steps, and then it's just like get rich, make them pay, <laughs> like yeah, right. And it's just. Um, so that's what they were trying to do. And it, so they were so confident in Notting Hill, the movie at the end, Hugh Grant and uh, Hugh Grant's character is on a bench with his uh, with Julia Roberts reading Captain Corelli's mandolin as a kind of like publicity move where they're like the next big thing. Um, 
So, so it's like an extended universe. It's a, yeah, yeah. The, actually, this movie takes place in Hugh Grant's head as he reads the book. <laughs> but um. Well, okay. If if we branch the extended Cage universe out that way, no, no. Just just hear me out. It's just becoming Inception. So, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So so. It's all taking place in Hugh Grant's head, right? <laughs> so then that ties into Notting Hill. So that opens up, that opens up Nick Cage's universe, and now we can also, you know, Hugh Grant's universe is on the table as well so, now. So, so you right. know, uh, so, so the different what you're saying is different Nick Cage movies that we see are actually taking place in Hugh Grant characters' minds as. Uh, as yeah. uh, their well, their filmographies line up. I mean, sure. I think that's even looking too far into it. Personally. Oh yeah, no, that was crazy. You know, like like because because if this is the way we're doing it, then we could conceivably connect Con Air to th- uh, four weddings and a funeral. <laughs> Uh, we could also, con- I'm just saying, Why not? I'm just saying we could also conceivably, uh, connect the family man, uh, to, um, love actually. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, like, a boy. yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's a whole, there's a whole new world, uh, that we don't need to get into right now. Miles. Yeah. Hugh Grant cast. Hugh Grant. I would. Oh my God, dude. I can't, that would be worse. I think Hugh Grant's bad movies are, would be more unbearable than Cage's bad movies. Worse than Val Kilmer's though. I mean, he did play Moses in that ad- in that adaptation yeah. of Ten Commandments. So yeah. I think if Val Kilmer is Moses, all bets are off the table. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he, he has a permanent spot at the bottom. I think that's something that Nick Cage hasn't done yet is a biblical epic, right? Fuck, you're right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about time. Yeah, I know, he, right? He's like getting old enough to play... Uh, Cage as Job. Yeah. <laughs> or who, who's the old man in the Bible who... Methuselah. Who, who, <laughs> Cage as Methuselah. Yeah, can we have like a Darren Aronofsky like yeah. a remaking of Job or Methuselah? With, with Joe, if you had to cast Nicolas Cage as any famous Old Testament Bible character, who would it be? Like, what what Bible story would you cast Nick Cage in? Well, I, my knowledge of the Bible is not that big, but <laughs> I think it could play almost any character because <laughs> Mary Magdalene. Yeah, because. Yeah. I would say Jonas, oh. Jonas of the, that's with a, a, with good, a whale. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, a whole movie yeah, like, with Nicolas Cage inside of a whale. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that <laughs> it was like, I don't know how many days, maybe three days or maybe three weeks. I don't remember how long it yeah. took <laughs> for Jonas to get out, but it would be cool to see Nicolas Cage in a shark's uh, stomach for three days. Yeah. yeah the, and the actual running time of the movie is three days. And right. It's just shot in real time. <laughs> it's all in real time. It's Cage just talking to himself <laughs> and like yelling at that and like yelling at the inner walls of the whale. <laughs> yelling yeah. out of the blowhole, <laughs> just screaming. Um, okay. Here's, here's my dream is Val Kilmer reprising his role as Moses and Nicholas Cage as the burning bush. That's a good one. Just that scene. Oh I my god, that's it. so good. The other one I was thinking is Cage as the snake in the Garden of Eden. Uh, yeah, but with his face. Yes, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> CGI snake with Cage's face. <laughs> Consider that. That's all I'm saying. I'm just throwing it out there Every, in case anyone's listening. It. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. So I just to fucking uh, wrap wrap this up. I uh, no, I. I, I Actually, maybe there's nothing else to say about this movie. Everyone thought it was going to be big, and they they got 
when when they got Cage on the movie, the budget ballooned. It, uh, you know, they they got Penelope Cruz, who was like just up and coming. Um, a Penelope Cruz, kind of like Angelina Jolie and Gone in 60 Seconds in that, like, to me, it feels like she's just been a movie star since forever. But yeah. she was, she, she was, this was the year that she blew up. She was in this and Vanilla Sky and um, uh, a couple others. And, oh, and Blow. And she actually got a Razzie nomination for, uh, for those three movies. Yeah, I think that's funny that she got nominated the same year in the same category yeah. for all three of those movies. And it seems unfair, it that seems unfair. Of, of all the people to single out in this movie. It's her like, for some reason. I, I think Penelope Cruz like did a did a pretty good job with she's what the she, she's like fourth on the list after the after Cage Bale and Bale, John Hurt. Bale is clearly Bale the, is like I'm I'm sorry. Like I love part. I love his performances in so many films. Yeah. And I wish he wasn't in this movie. Yeah. It's um it's it, it's silly. I thought John Hurt did a good job. He's okay. He's fine. But it's just the again, it's the issue of of no one is speaking in an accent from where they're actually from. That, that it just brings like all the postulations about human nature. Yeah, you know that happen. I can't take them seriously because everyone's talking in a fucked up accent. Yeah, I, I was thinking though the the thing that the only worst thing that they could have done accent wise that that movies always do is just make all foreigners have a British, British accent. accent. <laughs> well, like I, I was I was thinking when I was watching it, I was like, I mean, yeah, as much as it's easy to make fun of that route, it would have been better in this instance. It actually would have been less embarrassing if everyone just had their own accent, except the Germans who were English, because everyone knows uh, just just take the Indiana Jones route, like make the Nazis English, right? You know what I mean. Oh, Joe, I wanted to ask, I know in Spain, um, they, they dub, or at least during Franco, they dubbed all their movies and they would have the same, um, actors voice the same American actors. Is there a voice actor in Italy who always plays Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know his name, but I can, I can search for him, but uh, yes, it's almost, uh, always the same. So I grew up with uh, my Italian uh, Nicolas Cage voice. Whoa, <laughs> that's crazy! Yeah. That's super cool. Does he? And yeah. how is he? Is he good? Yeah, actually, the movie in Italian is way better than <laughs> in language. For real, guys, because <laughs> you can follow the plot. You don't get distracted. You understand everything. And yes, and they also have a good voice. It, it sounds nice. <laughs> that, that, that makes so much sense because the the strongest part of the movie is just the visuals. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, but for real, it, it sounds way better. And the movie is better in Italian than in English. I'm sure. I mean, it's it's almost unwatchable in English. That's fascinating. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why they used all those accents. I mean... For real, no one noticed it before it was released. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is like no, like no one stopped the production at any point, and they were like, "Hold on, we need to just do something about these accents." Uh, Americans just, I just feel like on the gen, uh, generally we just don't have a good ear for foreign accents. Like, or you know, you can, but I mean, like Mario, like whatever. Like, it's just, um, or. Maybe more to the point, I think movie studios don't trust that Americans care or have a good ear for it, so that we'll just accept whatever. And 
I, in this case, they were wrong. <laughs> we, uh, well, maybe in all those actors like Bales and Cage and uh, Cruz had a uh, bad acting because they were too concentrated on like, yeah, how does the accent sounds like? How does the Greek accent sounds like? So, well, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying they would have done a better, uh, yeah, a better scenes, but. It might be honestly I, yeah i think they would have done a better job i i think you're 100 percent right I, I, like because cage is bad in this movie but he's not like even when he's not trying he's he's worse in this movie than when he's not trying in other movies yeah which like makes me think that he just got hung up on something i i feel that his performance in this movie feels it doesn't feel phoned in it feels like he's trying too hard in, in a way, he's trying too hard to be a romantic leading man. I also think, I mean, he was how he was 37 years old when he did this movie. And I, I think he, he was sort of on the sunset of his romantic leading man. Um, this this might be like his last big like romantic movie. I don't know. Um, but it, it there's like a it's it's not he doesn't feel like he is that character he doesn't feel like he's living as that character it feels you can see him acting the whole time and that's something that i i feel that way about almost everyone in this movie is you can just yeah you can see them acting they don't they don't feel like people right and it it doesn't help that the story feels so perfunctory and that everything that happens feels like it it just happens because it has to because it's in the script but um yeah i i wonder if i wonder how many of nick cage's uh, bad movies are actually better in other languages it's a good question we should have more international guests on so that we could like ascertain that <laughs> like like is there like a version of like guarding tests that like in russian or something where it's actually like it's an like amazing really movie good and we just we watched the wrong version yeah god damn i never even thought of that <laughs> that just opens the door up so so when we're done going through all of his movies in english we gotta yeah, we start again and rewatch them in another in language, language. Uh, so, you know what i'm curious about too is i want to know the the I want to know who all the men are around the world who all play Nicolas Cage, like the voice actor Nicolas Cage's. I'd like to see them all in a room, like doing their Nicolas Cage impression. Dude, we should try to get one of them on the on the pod. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a really good idea. Well, because think about it, because Cage is a is an actor with like a bizarre range, and he so anybody who has to play him has to be able to do. Like, yeah, like Moonstruck has to be able to to just go completely bonkers, has to have his same range. Yeah, that's not easy. It's, it's talent. Uh, Joe, do you have we ask every guest this. Uh, do you have a top three favorite Nicolas Cage roles? Not necessarily that you like the whole movie, but that you enjoy him in that role. I can't really recall many. Nicolas Cage movies. I remember Ghost Rider. Yeah. I, I think it was one. <laughs> is that one of your um, favorites, or is that just one that is? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't like him. It's not good. <laughs> Actually, I didn't. I didn't like him at all. And <laughs> one of the best one of all, or I would say the less uh, the, the less bad ones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
was this one. <laughs> wow. Maybe because I enjoyed all the... Yeah, yeah. And, well, I can't recall okay. other movies. Yeah. Is, is he, uh, like, a known name in Italy? Like, do people know him as an actor? Do people go to see his movies because he's in them? Yeah, he's huge. He's huge in Italy. Really? Mm. I would say he's one... I would say he's one of the top 10 male American actor. Wow. In Italy. Is it because he is Italian or his family is Italian or or what is it? No, no, I wouldn't no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I, I found out he was Italian reading about this movie. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, I didn't know that. It's just his his uh, raw. And you know what it is? It's it's the, his raw sexuality. No, it's it's the performance of the voiceover actor yeah. who's probably giving awesome performances for all the movies. Dude, could you imagine all the cage freakouts that he has to do? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. How do you even replicate that in another language? Like, this is. Well, you you should watch it in Italian. Okay, I, I now I wanna now I wanna compare uh, yeah. Nick Cage's uh, uh, voice actor voices. Uh, you know what we should do, Dave? We we should f we uh, the next Italian version of a Cage movie that we can find. We should get together before the episode and we should just A B certain scenes yeah. and then yeah. we could maybe comment on that. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Okay, I'd, I'd like to compare uh, com compare some of the hard men. Wait, what? <laughs> the I'm not editing that out. <laughs> compare some of the performances from hardworking men around the world putting in uh, <laughs> duplicate cage performances. You know, there's a there's a Nick Cage in Spain. There's a Nicolas Cage in France. There's a Nicolas Cage in Russia. You know, I mean, Lithuania. Sure. Uh, Portugal. Brazil. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it's all around the world. Yeah. Who are these men? What What is their story? Cages of the world unite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's, let's get into the kind of the minutia. Cause I, I have a bunch of like little weird notes. Um, uh, Penelope Cruz's tits are in this movie. Yeah. That's probably after the cinematography and the scenery, the second reason you should see this movie. Her, she, her boobs are there and her armpit hair. And very, uh, the, pr the, the, the thing that I kind of appreciated about this, about this was that, um, you know, they were very casual boobs. Yeah. Like, they didn't make a big deal about, oh, here's Penelope Cruz getting naked. Right. In, in, in a sense, like, it, it could, you could say, well, that's because, like, this movie has no sense of, like, romance or fire or, well, or passion. I, I think but, it's just probably on, like, remote Greek islands. Like, yeah. chicks take their tops it, off more yeah. often. Well, and it's also, not that weird. There's also, yeah, a big scene of all the sol Italian soldiers partying with, like, half-naked women on the beach. But... Not, none of it is shot like a porn. Like, it, it, it is actually just casual and earthy and just natural in a way that was nice. It was refreshing. Um, like, the scene where Cage and Penelope Cruz are, are having sex in the forest could have been, like, a Cinemax, like, softcore porn scene. But they treat it... Uh, they they try and go the Merchant Ivory-like tasteful route. They're trying to do the English patient um, and... Uh, they at least succeeded in not having it feel porny. Um, 
One of my favorite like uh, moments just of like Nick Cage's the uh, Italian stereotype was when so, some character is like, <clears throat> like, oh, but you're you're here and you sing all the time. What is there to sing about? And it just it's like the most like putting the the t ball on the thing. He's like, what is there to sing about? Sing about love. Sing about life. Sing about the stars in the sky. <laughs> um, good moment. Uh, also, I think it's weird that he was so obsessed with Pacini. Yeah. Right? It's like, did they need to prove to you that he was more Italian than you already thought he was? It's like, oh, but also he's obsessed with Pacini. Uh, yeah, well, that, just uh, who's the one Italian opera composer who, like, <laughs> any American could actually recognize? Right, right. And there's that scene where the, the German guy like shows up to their beach party and he's yeah. like, he's like, Hey, can I hang out? Oh, you guys, you, you have naked women here. That's cool. And, uh, he's like, no, if you start talking about Wagner, we're going to kill you. Yeah. And then, and then he says something like they're, they're like, they're like, hail Mussolini. And then he goes, hail Pacini. Right. And I'm like, that's weird. So, so Joe, um, when you go to the beach with your friends and sing opera, what, what do you guys like to sing? Well, mostly Verdi, <laughs> and uh, well, Puccini is a big one. <laughs> and but surely we don't we don't sing Wagner or any <laughs> any Austrian or German composer. We hate them. Yeah, all yeah. Italian, all, all Italian, all Italian, right? All the time. Yeah, if someone yeah. if someone were singing Wagner, uh, would you kill them? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I figured. Great. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, da, 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 da. I do want to mention, um, way to be really, really, really on the nose, the first time that we see Cage, he literally has his mandolin in, like, a sling around his back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's coming coming to town as, like, uh, yeah. It's like, oh, this is, here, here's Captain Corelli, and, and here's his mandolin. mandolin. <laughs> um, I... So Penelope Cruz was not the first choice for this movie. They wanted uh, Natalie Portman, hot off of The Phantom Menace. But um, she, she was signed on to do the second Star Wars movie. I'm so really glad that they didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe her Greek accent would have been better. I don't, I doubt it. I don't know. To, but yeah, I mean, to return to like Penelope Cruz's performance in this, like she... It's weird because she's like ambiguously mediterranean i know it's just because it, she has brown like, skin yeah it, it, like i don't know she to me she looks so spanish like i i yeah it, it, it's fucking stupid but and she doesn't look greek at all to i don't think but neither does john hurt but <laughs> whatever she her performance and nick cage actually like praised her as an actress um saying that basically that you couldn't see her acting that that she she just inhabits the role and I, I did think that she she gave a good performance with a character who was nothing that it was sure. impossible to give a good performance yeah with. i mean she she like, wasn't bad she, she wasn't bad no she, she i mean most of what she does is react which is weird because her character is kind of is this progress you know she's a doctor She's training to be a doctor and, and this kind of like she's supposed to be uh, a woman of agency, but her character doesn't really get much to do besides, you know, Nick Cage shows up and is charming and then she can r respond to him. So with within that limited scope, I thought she did a pretty good job. And oh, and Cage 
Cage really thought she had, did a good job because he, um, they started an affair on set. So as his, his marriage broke up, uh, he and Penelope Cruz were, were linked. And it kind of sucks because, um, I mean, this is kind of like early 2000s Hollywood gossip that uh, this, uh, the unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, The Man Behind Captain Curly by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson kind of dove me into, um, which is that like, every movie that she was on with an American leading man, like first she, she was in all the pretty horses with Matt Damon before this and vanilla sky with Tom Cruise afterwards. Was she, was she boning all of them? Well, that, that was like the gossip was that she was, bo and that she was this like home wrecker, like man eater. And it seems that she was just actually like, just a nice, uh, like talented actress who was trying to like make a career. And she, but like Matt Damon was like, Ah, uh, goddess, like you would, and Nicolas Cage was was uh, boning her, and then Tom Cruise was like tr trying to induct her into Scientology. I mean, look, in in all fairness, if you're pretending to kiss Penelope Cruz, yeah, I know. Everyone just fell in love with her. Yeah, it's not hard. Fair enough. It's not hard to do. Fair enough, but um, yeah, and and I guess the only other thing I have to say is just I I I, I want to. Uh, see, I, 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 in reading about them making this movie, it just, it sounds like such a weird experience, just a weird time. Like, I, I want you to picture the, the, the beautiful island of Cephalonia, picture it, and um, picture it as more beautiful than it was before because a film crew came in and, and put uh, false fronts on all the, <laughs> the like, uh, bodegas or whatever and made it look like um, the pre-war. And, um, and, and picture Nicolas Cage in uh, a beachside cabana partying with uh, Madonna and Robert De Niro, eating octopus. Picture Patricia Arquette and Enzo and Weston Cage crying <laughs> in, in a separate cabana on the other side of the island. Picture John Hurt going to the bars and meeting the locals and Penelope Cruz meeting the locals and hanging out and apparently everyone like falling in love with them and, and feeling a great sense of camaraderie and Nicolas Cage tooling around in a motorcycle and uh, pretending to be, be um, someone who doesn't have hair plugs and, and, and picture millions of dollars getting dumped into uh, cameras, expensive camera setups and uh, just things like feeding a crew and uh, providing electricity on an island that has no infrastructure for making films. And then picture that movie going to movie theaters and nobody seeing it. And picture Miles and I both having to actually pay to watch it um, in this day and age when everything is available on the internet. But even this movie, no one, no one wants yeah, to watch. Yeah, uh, I will say I've been able to... Um, <clears throat> to find ways. To find ways. Uh, to watch them. Um, to watch yeah. a lot of these movies uh, so I don't have to pay out of pocket. But you would think with some of the weird clunkers uh, and and cult favorites that not just of Nick Cage, but in general that I've been yeah. able to find uh, on the Internet. Um, this one was not available uh, except through yeah. uh, Amazon, I, which, which exactly. I, I find hard to believe that no one else. I, no I, one. I guess no, no, no one on Reddit has ever been like, hey, maybe I should torrent Captain Corelli. No one like, wants it. <laughs> I mean, I was able to watch. A, a torrented movie of the boy in blue 
I was able to... to Which w- I've literally never heard of before this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> a movie about Nick Cage as a Canadian rowing star. <laughs> and Or like, yeah, or, or, a time to kill or whatever, or, or Zandali. But this movie that cost bazillions of dollars and was in international theaters, um, people are people are want to forget it. And now soon we will all forget it. <laughs> I've already forgotten it. In the 24 hours that I watched this movie to now, I've already forgotten most of it. Yeah. Well, and, and next time we will be talking about another similar movie, uh, which is Wind Talkers. The uh, Nicolas Cage teaming up with John Woo again after Face Off to make a movie about Native American... Navajo code Navajo talkers code. in World War II. So he does two World War II movies in a row? I guess so. Huh. Yeah, so he, he flew from uh, Cephalonia to New York to have a dinner with Penelope Cruz. And oh, this, is, this is a really stupid detail, but... Um, in the like kind of gossipy part of this book, uh, uh, talking about him and Penelope Cruz, they talk about him being cited in a, a leaving a restaurant, a fancy restaurant with her, and he was wearing a gray sweatshirt, leather pants, and and a bomber jacket, which I just thought was like <laughs> that's the weirdest outfit. <laughs> anyway, then he, he he flew to Hawaii to make uh, that stupid movie that we'll be talking about next time, and saying goodbye to the unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, the man behind Captain Corelli by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson. RIP. Um, yeah. Pour one out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a hard episode, honestly. But yeah, do we have anything else to add? Yeah, Joe, do you want to say anything, uh, anything before we sign Any off? Any closing thoughts about this movie, about uh, Italians in American cinema and uh, anything? Yeah, please don't try to make our accent. And if you want to sound Italian, just subtitle Italian. <laughs> hey, or like here's a crazy idea hire an italian yeah, actor cast <laughs> an italian person maybe yeah okay that's an italian person that in english please. why don't next time they want to cast nick cage as an italian they should just cast the guy that dubs his voice yes. in italy as the yeah. character yeah just have him play the part um that's really true joe is are there any like performances by american actors giving italian accents that have been credible that you can remember that you think are like good that you would recommend as well done oh well you see i always see uh dubbed movies so i don't know how how this sound in in italian wait was 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 this the first time that you'd heard nicholas cage's american actual voice yes wow yeah and it was because of his accent. You, you, yeah, you were not impressed. I will say this is not representative of how he usually sounds. Just bear that in mind if you ever watch another English version. I hope. Yeah, but but why would you? It sounds like, you know, you, you yeah. already... It sounds like the Italian Nick Cage had slam dunks every role. Yeah, so you already I'm... have steak. Why have a hamburger? Well, th- Giovanni, thank you so much for, um, I-, I know it's like four o'clock in the morning, your time. Uh, <laughs> so, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, thank you for re- watching this movie a second time, it- watching the worst version of this movie and uh, talking about it with us. Yeah, thank you, Giovanni. We really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, take care, man. Bye. Bella Bye. Bambini. Bye-bye. Bella Bambini. <laughs> Bella Bambina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. bye man. Oh god. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.
Ciao. Cool. The- I'm still recording, by the way. We should uh, we should maybe sign. Yes. Like, tag tag off. Oh on yeah. This. Well, the, the um, dude, we we got a uh, we we got a review on um, Apple Podcasts, right? We got a couple of them. Oh, yeah, that's actually a really good segue. Um, yeah, we have seven reviews up, and it's a five-star average. Holy shit. So uh, please, please, to any listeners out there, uh, help us massage the algorithm and yeah. go ahead and subscribe and rate Heat Seeking Panther on the uh, iTunes store or the podcast you, app. You don't even have to listen. You know you what? Don't, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. Don't, don't even listen. Don't even Just listen. Go. Why would you listen? <laughs> Why are you here? Why are you listening to the end of this episode right now? Don't listen at all. And uh, just skip ahead and go and go rate us on, uh, it, on iTunes. It says the best of our podcast is our first episode, which cannot be true. That can't be true. Can, uh, also, if this is the first time anyone's listening and you want to go ahead and, and listen to some more episodes, start later. Uh, we get much better, get much better as the show goes on. Don't listen to the first episode. It's It'll probably make you <laughs> never listen to another one wow. ever again. S- someone says that we're a national treasure. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like this one. Yes, please. I like to listen. From Faux Real 2022. Oh, that's my friend Don. Dude, thank, thanks, Don. Thank you, Don. Yeah. Just let it wash over you. I can't quite put my finger on why this podcast is so compelling, but it holds your attention and makes you laugh. Two thumbs enthusiastically up that by cat my, I mean, I cat my, I have no idea why you're listening either. I, I don't know why it holds probably your attention, a friend of ours. We, we don't thank, know who it is. <laughs> well, if they're not a friend already, they're, then a, friend they're a friend now. now. Uh, oh, and, and then there's one from, from me a long time oh, ago. Yeah. And there's, I think there's one from, um, from Lex. Lex. Le- Lex gave us a really nice. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Lex was the Con Air. Epi- yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, l- uh, I think Lex is one of our most um, fervent and knowledgeable yeah. fans. So um, thank you, Lex. And, y- and we'll, uh, we'll text me when we get something wrong, which is for uh, sure really appreciated. Super helpful. It's actually um, yeah. That <laughs> that that helpful. also goes for anyone else. Uh, if um, we need to make a correction on something, or if you just have questions, comments, concerns in general, Heat Seeking Panther. At gmail.com. I don't check it very often, but we do our best to yeah. try to answer uh, all incoming queries. Um, yeah, and uh, so join us next time as we talk to the wind. There's a website called BehindTheVoiceActors.com. Um, pas, pas, I'm going to fuck this up. Sorry, Giovanni. Pasquale Anselmo, the official dub, o- dub over voice of Nicolas Cage. Fuck. He's in all of them. Can you listen to clips? Yeah, let's find him. As if I haven't heard enough of Nicolas Cage's actual voice. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm trying to find out. There's like Drive Angry... There's the weatherman. Here's this is okay. This is him in the weatherman. Prima volta che mi hanno colpito con qualcosa era un petto di pollo di Kenny Rogers. Mi trovavo accanto a un cesto per la spazzatura. Wait, did he just say something about Kenny Rogers? Qualcosa era un petto di pollo di Kenny Rogers. Mi trovavo accanto a un cesto per la spazzatura. 
Pensavo fosse stato per caso che volessero gettarlo via. Well, uh, Pasquale Anselmo, he's uh, over there killing it in Italy.